I want to read something to you that uh, I got on Facebook. You know, there are some good things on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, the title is Having God in Our Presence. Instead of designing a service, a service that attracts people, have a service that attracts God. Wow. And He will draw the people. So then the question is, what attracts God? Well, faith, humility, Surrender, submission, dependence, honesty, sincerity, servanthood, sacrifice, obedience, giving, self-denial, and most of all, unity amongst his people. The Lord dwells in the, the, the unity of his people. Well, I want to share with you today the uh, RTG process. You see my button here? It says RTG. Uh, When I uh, retired, I asked the Lord to to use me more than he did when I was uh, as a pastor. And... uh, and so I retired, and at the end of 2019-2020 hit, I was going to go and do conferences on creation and all that stuff. And by the way, next Sunday, I'm going to share with you the uh, world view of Jesus. And everybody has a world view, but uh, you want to make sure you've got the right one. So that's what we're going to be looking at next week. But, but anyway, so... The COVID hit and everybody shut down and some churches quit meeting and all that. And, and they all quit having conferences and stuff. So that just totally and completely did away with, with my opportunity to, uh, to go into churches and share uh, the creation message. But, <clears throat> but anyway, the Lord had something else in mind. He, he, he opened the door for me to get involved in prison ministry. And I'd already been doing some prison ministry, but not like this kind of prison ministry. Uh, It was a kind of ministry where the chaplain at Lexington A&R asked me to come and and go into the AR section, which is assessment reception part of the prison there, where all the prisoners come from uh, the county jails into uh, AR, and then they're assessed there, and then they're sent out into the different yards around the state. And so the ministry that I've been involved in, and actually I have another member here of the church whose name is uh, Todd Tiffin, uh, a fellow uh, pastor actually, who goes with me and a couple others every Monday down to uh, Lexington AR, and uh, we share the gospel cell to cell, cell to cell. We started that last year, and then they made it possible with some of the inmates who are involved with the chaplain's ministry down there to go with us. And so we started going cell to cell with them. Last year, we had 333 men pray to receive Christ. And we're still... (laughs) That's to the Lord. We're giving them a hand clap, right? Right. Amen. And so... um, 
since uh, January the 1st, uh, which this year was on a Monday, we've had uh, 39 more pray to receive Christ. So uh, the Lord just keeps blessing that ministry. But being involved in that ministry, I began to uh, become more and more aware of the need for um, uh, the help of these Christians, these guys that are getting saved in prison, and then they get involved in the chaplain's program there. And they, they have the opportunity to go to uh, uh, Bible studies and, and worship service every day. But, you know, when they, when they are let out and back on the street, that's all gone. That's all gone. And uh, it's really hard for them to make the transition. And so the Lord began to work with me and some other guys about putting together a ministry that we call uh, Exandus, which is designed to uh, help um, prisoners coming out of prison to transition successfully. And in the process of that, the Lord led, uh, led us to, to start a church. And uh, so in starting the church, we were trying to decide... Uh, what are we going to name this church? What are we going to call it? Well, every one of those prisoners, before they come out of prison, they, they go through different uh, uh, lessons and things about reentry transition. And so I thought, well, why don't we just call the church reentry transition gathering? So every prisoner coming out of prison, or even men coming out of uh, <clears throat> coming out of the county jails will know exactly what we're talking about and, uh, and hopefully take advantage of, uh, of the fellowship and uh, support that we offer them in their transition out of prison. Well, as I came up with the, 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 the idea of re-entry transition uh, process or uh, gathering, it's reentry transition gathering RTG. I learned that that's actually a process that is not only the physical process that uh, that prisoners come out of prison, but really it's a biblical process for every last one of them. I've come to understand that uh, the Lord sh- showed me to give it that name. Because it is a biblical process we all must go through in preparation for being a part of his eternal kingdom. And, uh, and so you have a prisoner, he's been free, and then he breaks the law. And so what does he do? He, he's, he goes to court, and then he goes to county jail, and then county jail he goes to... Uh, the state prison. And when he's in prison, basically, he is uh, under the control of the state. He he has no freedom uh, to himself. Whatever he's told to do, he has to do. And uh, so, and his his life is totally and completely structured. Everything is determined what uh, what he's going to do every day. And then anything else they want him to do, that's what he has to do. He doesn't really have any say in it himself. And so, so then you come to uh, 
the point in time when it's time to re-enter. Well, here's a person that now is going to have to learn how to readjust to living in society. And uh, he's going to have to make some changes, some transition in his life, or else he's going to end up back in prison again. And so uh, you have this re-entry process uh, that then if they uh, begin to make, have made the changes in prison that are going to keep them from getting back into the same crowds and doing the same things they were doing to get in prison in the first place, well, if they can overcome that, then, then they can transition successfully. Well, seeing that process, the Lord opened my eyes to see that they're going through a, a physical transition of reentry, transition uh, back into society. But there's a spiritual transition process that we all go to that involves reentry, transition, and gathering. And what I want to share with you is what that uh, biblical spiritual process is. And really, a lot that the pastor had to say to do is involved in the process. So, so you have a spiritual reentry, you have a spiritual transition, and then you are put into a spiritual, in that process you're put into a spiritual gathering, assembly. <laughs> well, let me, let me be more specific. Let me go on and explain it all to you. The, the Bible, of course, is our guide. And originally, Adam and Eve had a life of freedom in the garden with God. Their life was a life that they had a choice. There was one rule. But in the midst, as long as they, as long as they obeyed the Lord in that one thing, they lived in freedom and prosperity and and had a, a pure religious, uh, I don't want to use that word religious, had a pure relationship with God. And, uh, and so, so that's how it was. But then what happened? They stepped out of the boundary that God had made and they had listened to the wrong kind of advice that gets us all into trouble. And, uh, and they lost their right to live in the garden with God. And instead, they were cast into prison of a fallen self to live in a cursed creation with many more rules and regulations. And here it is, folks. We are all in Adam and Eve. We were all in Adam and Eve at the moment that they chose to sin. The Bible says that we sinned with them. I am so glad that's the way it is. We're all sinners because we're all in Adam. But God had it set up that when he sent his son, when we put our faith in him and are born in him, we all then receive his righteousness. 
Just like we receive the righteous, the sin of Adam, now we can receive the righteousness of Jesus. So now, <clears throat> so uh, we are all in Adam, and we are all fallen. Their, their imprisonment into a fallen nature was passed on to us. And I like to say this, and I've shared this message with, in three different prisons and uh, I, I like to say this, that really when it comes right down to it, we're all a bunch of jailbirds that can only be freed by God's living written word, the man, Jesus. He's the only one that can set us free, the living word of God. And Paul actually describes this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Paul writes, But the scriptures have imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise to Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith in Jesus Christ came, he says, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith in Jesus Christ was revealed. We all, before Jesus came into our lives, we're all just prisoners to ourselves, to our selfishness, prisoners to the uh, temptations of this world. And so... Jesus actually uh, said it uh, this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And really, imprisonment is a form of slavery. Because you, you do not own yourself. You're owned by the state. And, uh, and so, so Jesus makes that point. So... God, through his son Jesus, gave us a re-entry plan uh, back into relationship with him. And that re-entry plan is, he said, Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the freedom of uh, the kingdom of God and being released from the prison of the things of this world. And so, <clears throat> so we see there, and Paul actually talked about this re-entry when he, when he spoke of, the, of it being that justification or regeneration. That is our, the beginning of our re-entry is when we are justified by faith, our faith in Jesus and we are placed into him. And so now, we're in the process. We, we're, we're begun the process of justification, sanctification, and <clears throat> glorification. So, at the fall we died spiritually. And became imprisoned to our fallen selves and slavery to our fallen nature. But at salvation... We re-enter into a personal relationship with God that becomes a transition process. Paul actually describes 
in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. And we've already heard the word, <laughs> sanctification. Paul writes, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, fully, completely. And, uh, and may your spirit, soul, and body be, be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without blame, why? Because Jesus' blood has shed, paid the price for all of our sin. Without uh, blame at coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful is he who calls you who will also bring it to pass. The, the, the sanctification process is really the work of the Spirit of God. All we have to do is just cooperate and let him do it. That's really what Paul's saying there. And so, <clears throat> but here's, here's what Paul is saying here. Uh, our sanctification, he says is a spirit, soul, and body. When Adam and Eve uh, sinned, they died spiritually. And so <clears throat> when we were born, we received their nature, which is we are born, our soul, our, our spirit is empty. Our, we have a body, we have a <clears throat> body and a soul, but there's an emptiness there, and that's the spirit is not living there. And uh, so <clears throat> Jesus tells us what the, uh, what the re-entry plan is in, uh, uh, in John 3, 3. Truly, truly, I send to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so we see that uh, this re-entry is into a process, entering into the process of sanctification, You've you've been uh, you've been justified, but now you're in a process of transformation, and and you know what it really is is you're born of the Spirit. Before the Spirit came into each and every one of us, we lived from the outside in. In other words, the world basically we reacted to the world and 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 the world's pressure on us. Uh, through the body first, and then the soul cooperates with the body and says, yeah, let's do that. And so that's how you have addictions and things like that. But when you become a Christian, when you're born again, you're now put in a process of of that begins from the inside going out, where the Spirit of God is now leading you and directing you and and teaching you how to think in the proper way. So you start telling your cell what you're to do, and your soul starts telling the body what to do. <clears throat> so you're now able and empowered to live from the inside out. You can't do that until you're born again. Okay, so now, um, <clears throat> so we see then. Now, this is so important. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. You know, I share that sometimes with the prisoners there, especially the ones that, uh, that claim to be Christians. And I'm so glad it's there for me. Because that verse tells us that God knows that in the sanctification process, we're going to blow it. <laughs> But it, that verse is not written to the lost. It's written to the saved. And what that verse is telling us, listen, uh, the Spirit of God's moving, and, and sometimes you're going to blow it. And if you do, c- 
agree with the Lord because you're going to be convicted about it. When you're convicted about it, confess it, give it to God, and go on. And forgive yourself. <laughs> and, and, and tell the devil to get, you, get, get lost when he comes and keeps trying to convict you of something you're already forgiven of. So anyway, so we have, so we have this, uh, this process of, uh, of sanctification, which is really described as, as a, the spiritual transition process. And the transition process is, trans, is a transformation stated in Romans 12, 1 and 2. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? about, I see now why the Lord had me come on, because I'm just backing you up, brother. So, so that verse of Scripture actually says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the uh, mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice uh, acceptable to God, who is your spiritual service of worship. Notice that spiritual, it's your spirit that's now uh, uh, controlling what your body does, supposedly. You see, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, the process of transformation really is the process of tra- being transformed. And I really tell the guys in, in prison, if you want to succeed in, in, in your transition when you get out of prison, you need to be transformed. The only way you can be transformed is by changing the way you think. And the only way that you can really change the way you think, how, do you, how, how are we supposed to change our thinking? We're supposed to start learning to think how God thinks rather than the way the world thinks. And the only way you're going to do that is here, Amen. the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. You people are tremendously blessed. Because you're in a body of believers that is committed to the Word of God and it being rightly divided in truth. Because you're, going, you're, learning, the way, you're learning God's ways and you're learning the way to live according to those ways. And that's how you can be transformed by as you learn these things and, and the Spirit of God says to you in your relationship to your wife, men, uh, <clears throat> did you really show uh, the love of Christ to her by the way that you responded just then? <laughs> That's kind of how it works. You've read the Word of God there in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 about husbands love your wives, you know. Well, then this transformation is you start learning to think differently and you start, and as you start thinking differently, what's going to change? Your actions, the way you choose, because you're going to start choosing those things that are pleasing to God and give you the opportunity to be set free from yourself. Now, so we see here that We are transformed by learning to think the way God thinks according to his ways given in his word in opposition to the ways of the world. Paul describes this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 where he says, uh, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self 
with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. The true knowledge according to the one who's the one, Jesus. And knowledge, and what is that knowledge supposed to be getting us to do? It's the Spirit of God using that knowledge to cause us to change our way of thinking and our way of doing so that what do we become like? We become like Jesus. Because we're starting to act the way he modeled for us to act. He says over there in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being com- corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and yet you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been, cre- has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So we have then this tr- transformation of moving from the old man to the new man. Listen, if you're born again, you're already the new man. It, the old man just doesn't know he's dead yet. I, 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 I use that analogy of evolution and, and evolution theory. Evolution theory is kind of like a chicken that's had its head cut off. It's, it doesn't know that it's dead and it's still flopping around trying to act like it's alive. Well, anyway, that's kind of the way the old, old self is as well, the new self, but in, in comparison to the new self. So, so the transformation is a dying to the old self and becoming alive to the new self, born of the Spirit of God and living according to his ways, not the ways of the world. And the only way you can learn his ways is here. Reading it, studying it, being here and, and being uh, given lessons like we received today about, about God's word and, and about uh, being controlled by the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit uh, rather than the fruit of our flesh. So, so then we... we we re reentry into our relationship with God, a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ. That's what reentry, and we enter into that relationship right then. And then the Spirit of God begins to start transforming us into what? Becoming like Jesus. That's the transformation. Okay? So the RTG, reentry transition gathering. The spiritual gathering. The spiritual gathering, Jesus refers to uh, in John 3, 14, 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may in him have eternal life. And then he also then backs that up in John 12, 32 to 33. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself, but, or gather all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. And then Jesus also said in Matthew chapter uh, 16 about this gathering. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock 
I will build my church. Now, that word there is actually ecclesia. And the word ecclesia really means assembly or gathering, a gathering together. And the word church, actually, the, the, the concept of gathering or ecclesia came along later. It's kind of, a, kind of out, of, out of the Latin, so to speak. I don't want to go through the whole deal on that. But, but anyway, but the church is a gathering. And the gathering is made up of, uh, of people that basically uh, have been brought to salvation. It's the Spirit of God who is doing the gathering. Every one of us are here today because God and His Spirit did something in our lives that draw to, that drew us to to want to have Jesus in our hearts. We we were gathered. We've been gathered. We're a gathering of believers with common faith. I read this the other day. Uh, It's not our job to convert people. It's not our job to save people. It's not our job to convict people. It's not our job to convince people. It's our job to tell people. Uh, The convincing, the convicting, the converting, and saving is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a gathering of the expression of the work of the Holy Spirit who has been working in all of our lives to gather us together. Now, why is this so important? Have I got enough time here? Oh, yeah, i got time. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, this is so important. And Paul alluded to it there in Hebrews chapter 10. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because you see... Going through the process of transition and transformation and, and uh, doing the things and cooperating with the Spirit of God and, and going through the different kinds of things that God allows in our lives, God wanted to accomplish the success of all of us through each other. Through each other. We're gathered together to be a body of believers that's working together to help each other succeed in the transition. That's what our RTG church is all about that we meet on Friday nights. Working together to help each other uh, through a successful... I've got to be careful. Through... Successful uh, transition. It's the Spirit of God working through us as a gathering of people who need each other to encourage one another and help each other go through the process. Now, um, so we see here That word gathering, I think, is so important. And uh, I wanted our RTG church on Friday nights, I told them, I want us to be a Romans uh, Romans 12 chapter church. 
And the reason why is because Paul there gives a description of how a church is supposed to work. First of all, it's a church made up of people going through transition, the transformation by the renewing of their mind. And, uh, and we have that in the first two verses. And then if you go and you read uh, the uh, verses 3 through 8, Paul talks about, now don't get too, don't get too uh, uh, big-headed in your relationship with each other. Because you didn't have a thing in the world to do with whatever gifts the Spirit of God has given you to operate within the uh, body, the gathering, to help each other. And if he's given you a, a little bit of faith to do this kind of ministry, do it. If he's given you this other, uh, what seems like more faith, do that. And, and really, listen, guys, if I were you, I really would want to be a preacher. You know why? <laughs> because I'm going to have to give an answer to, to, to my relationship in the church that's going to be far more severe than yours. Because really, you know, in the church, Jesus said, the, the first shall be last. If you want to be the greatest, you be the least. And the church is supposed to be a, a group of believers who all have different kinds of gifts that everybody in the body needs uh, at one time or another, whether it's mercy or it's give, uh, giving or whether it's uh, <clears throat> encouragement or preaching or teaching. Uh, and in God's sight, they're all just as necessary and they're all just as important. Never look down on what your little what you consider to be your little part in the church. God doesn't see it that way. He put it together so we can all, through the Spirit of God working in us and through us, help us to succeed in the transformation. You know, when, I, when Jesus comes, do we talk about Jesus coming? You know, we're all supposed to look like him by the time he gets here. But the sad thing about it is, a whole lot of people are going to have to do a whole lot of changing before they get there, <laughs> including me. But anyway, so, so then verses 9 through 21, the last part of that chapter basically then tells us how we're supposed to relate, how we're supposed to use these different kinds of gifts and, and our places in relationship to our, the gathering of the body of believers. When he goes on and he starts out with this, let love be with... Wait a minute, love, what is it? That's the, fruit, that's the first fruit, isn't it? <laughs> Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cleave to what is good, be devoted... Look at What? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love? Give preference to one another in honor? In other words, think of the other person more important than yourself. Uh, not lagging behind a diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in, in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The, what you see here is the, uh, the uh, expression of the gifts that the people are, are, we've been given, you see. 
And so, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who reap. Have the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own uh, uh, estimation. I really like what Paul says there after he talks about being sanctified holy. The next verse he goes on there, faithful is he who calls you who will also do it. So, (laughs) so... Thank God for that. It's not up to us, but all we have to do is let the Holy Spirit make it happen. Now, so, this is a, this is a, 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 this is a class. This isn't, a, this isn't preaching, right? So I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you a, uh, a homework. This week, I want you to read Romans 12, the whole chapter. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to fit into Fairview Baptist Church with my brothers and sisters in the gathering? How do you want me to fit? Where do you want me to fit? How, how? And then let him do it. Now, there's another verse that that Paul referred to. Jesus prayed in John, and this is, I'm finishing with this, early. (laughs) Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he prayed this for you and for me and for all his gatherings. He prayed this. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, for those who, uh, who also believe in me through their word, that they may be one. He's saying here that I'm not just praying for the disciples here. I'm praying for everyone who, who comes to believe in me because of their testimony. All right. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, the, the apostles. The twelve. For those also who believe in me through their word. That's you and me. That they may all be one. Unified. That they all may be Even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be in us. Now here's the key. That the world may believe that thou didst send me. The world can't see Jesus specifically. And so they look at the church. And it's the church that helps the world see what Jesus is. Who Jesus is. And a lot of times the world doesn't get a very good impression of Jesus. It's through the people of God in the gathering, loving each other, encouraging each other, ministering different kinds of gifts to each other, helping each other overcome all different kinds of things. And as we are having that kind of an experience, 
And if, if we're actually following Romans 12, 1 and following, will be that kind of fellowship, that kind of gathering. That when the people out there look and say, man alive, those people got something I don't have. I want some of that. When people come in the door here from outside there, do they, are they made to really feel welcome? Are they made to feel like they belong? Are they made to really feel like that, hey, like I felt and Sally felt this morning, wow, this is home, man. So, that's the re-entry transition gathering process that we're all going through right now.